Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pod's Own Country, the politics podcast from the Yorkshire Post. My name is Caitlin Doherty and I am your Westminster correspondent. Finally, we have made it to the middle of December. The Christmas break is upon us and, well, we've not had a quiet news week for the run down into Christmas. COVID has once again been dominating the headlines as it has for the last couple of weeks with the growth of the new Omicron variant reaching heights that we've never really seen before in the COVID pandemic. Uh, I'm speaking to you on Thursday afternoon and yesterday as we talk, it was the highest number of recorded cases ever with more than 78,000 Scientists and experts have warned that this could get even greater in the coming days and the days before Christmas. So people are being advised to maybe keep an eye on the number of social contacts that they make in the days leading up to the festive season in order to keep everybody safe and to avoid a cancelled Christmas for the second year in a row. We could have done three podcast episodes this week on what's happened with coronavirus this week. However, Instead, I have spoken to the leader of the Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer. It's been quite a turbulent year in politics yet again, and as well as coronavirus, there have been a number of really high-profile stories that have impacted on Yorkshire and the rest and the rest of the nor- northern regions. Just recently, we've had the integrated rail plan, and there are conversations ongoing about levelling up what the government is going to do, and ultimately what it will mean for this region. I covered all of that and more in my 20-minute chat with the Sekir Starmer, and I hope you all find some time to listen to it over what I hope is a lovely and relaxing Christmas break. Sekir Starmer, it's been a bit of a week, a bit of a month, a bit of a year in Westminster. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to uh, how to sum this up. The The big issue of the moment is quite quite clearly COVID. You did back the government on their COVID measures earlier this week. Do you think you would do that again in the future? We've. It's quite clear that, you know, there might be the possibility of something else needing to come into effect by before the end of the year. Yeah, well, firstly, the, you know, just as it's probably done for most of the year, COVID has dominated the last few weeks. And um, Omicron is very serious. And we've been having briefings from the government scientists um, and I'm under no misapprehension about how serious this new variant is. Um, and that is why, you know, it's very important for me to say at the beginning of PMQs today and to say every opportunity to anybody who hasn't got the booster to get the booster, because that's the single most effective um, defence that we have against the variant. Um, as for the measures yesterday, um, we um, are convinced that they were the right measures, the necessary measures in Plan B, 
Um, and therefore, um, the Labour Party acted in the public interest, in the national interest, and voted for them. Um, rather than, you know, engage in party politic politics, because it was obvious there was going to be a rebellion, uh, we acted in the national interest and voted for them. That's what we've done during the pandemic, um, because if there are public health measures that need to be passed, um, then we are patriotic, we are responsible, um, and we will always act in the national interest. We did so yesterday. Notwithstanding um, the various people tempting me um, to use it for party advantage, given um, that a rebellion was likely. The size of the rebellion took everybody by surprise. Um, the government said it was trying to bring the numbers down. If it brought the numbers down, it only tells you the rebellion was uh, potentially much larger even than that. But, um, you know, the, the big political takeaway from yesterday is that the Prime Minister is now so weak and his party so divided that he can't provide the leadership this country needs. He can't discharge the basic functions of government, which is to protect the public and keep them safe. Um, and it was only because of Labour votes that vital public health measures went through. That is a very serious, significant political moment because, mm -hmm. Caitlin, as you say, um, if, and we don't know, it becomes necessary to take further steps, it's clear that the Prime Minister hasn't got the authority to get those protective measures over the line um, unless the Labour Party acts in the national interest. If that's the case, if he is too weak to lead his own party, why aren't you explicitly calling for for him to resign? I mean, the polling is showing potentially Labour has its biggest lead at the moment than it's had since you became leader and potentially even a lot further back than that. Why, why are you not calling for him to go? Well, because, Caitlin, I live in the real world and me calling on the Prime Minister to resign is not going to make him resign. Um, that's an issue that his own party has to tackle head on. Um, I invited him at the end of Prime Minister's questions today to take a um, to take the opportunity over the Christmas period to look in the mirror and ask himself whether he had the authority and the trust to lead um, the country. But um, in the end, um, the question really is one for um, the members of his party, his MPs, to ask themselves how much longer they're prepared to put up with this. The moment we're talking about Omicron and the variants and his lack of authority there. But, you know, look, look at Partygate, look at um, uh, Owen Patterson, look at the um, Northern Powerhouse Rail and HS2. Time and again, he has, um, you know, let his party down, let his country down, and has expected his MPs and his cabinet members and ministers to go out and defend the indefensible. And they have to ask themselves how much longer they're prepared it, prepared to go through that degradation. Mm. Boris Johnson might be unpopular at the moment, potentially among some of his own MPs and potentially amongst some sections of the public, like we suggested. But the fact of the matter is that two years ago, two years ago this week, actually, chances are it was Boris Johnson that won the Conservatives a whole raft of seats across the north of England, including in Yorkshire, a lot of them that had never, yeah. ever been won before. MPs that I speak to on both sides, in Labour and in the Conservatives, both say that it came up on the doorstep of, you know, they maybe didn't like David Cameron, but they really liked Boris Johnson. What is your party going to do to win over voters like that back? Because you are pretty opposite sort of political characters. Yeah, we are very different political characters. When I think of Yorkshire in particular, I think there are very many people in Yorkshire 
um, who um, uh, took Boris Johnson at his word and in good faith thought that he would deliver the promises that he was making to them. It's now increasingly obvious that he um, is never going to deliver those promises. Um, and there are so many examples that I'll limit myself. But he promised that he wouldn't be putting up tax. And now he's putting up tax for every working family in Yorkshire. Um, he promised that he got a plan to fix social care that wouldn't involve people having to sell their homes. Now it's obvious to people in Yorkshire um, that almost all of them would have to sell their homes because of the way that he's misrepresented his plan. And most important of all, and I felt this acutely when I was in Bradford and Leeds um, three weeks ago, um, the HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail has been a complete betrayal of Yorkshire because you know, HS2 was supposed to be a new line up through Yorkshire into Leeds. And obviously, um, the Northern Powerhouse Rail new line was to come across to Leeds, but particularly going via Bradford, where you know, I went to Bradford on the day of the announcement uh, to look at the site that had been commissioned for the interchange would have made a huge difference to Bradford and all the investment that went with it. And they've been completely betrayed. So um, I'm not surprised that uh, across Yorkshire, people are beginning to look at Boris Johnson again um, and see him for what he is. And, um, you know, he is you know, in many ways, taking the public for fools in all of this, mm. in so many different ways. Obviously, what we need to do is to persuade them not just that Boris Johnson isn't the man to be Prime Minister, but that I am the person to be Prime Minister, and that we would deliver differently. And I'm not afraid of saying, in serious times, we need a serious leader. Um, and I'm afraid in the middle of COVID, um, we are in serious times, and we need mm. serious leadership, and we need a leader that can command his or her own party and ensure that public health measures are passed. And Boris Johnson can't do that um, at mm. the moment. Um, and we need a serious leader that when he says things, and this would be me, um, I've said them because I've read the detail, I've done the work, and I know they're deliverable. I'm not just promising the earth with no intention of actually delivering. Um, and, you know, I think that the benefit of the doubt is being removed from Boris Johnson and begin, people are beginning to see that actually the emperor's got no clothes. Mm. What what sort of policies or what sort of projects would you like to see realised with, with that aim then? I mean, you spoke a lot there about Leeds and Bradford and I completely understand why it was the centre of their HS2 and Northern Powerhouse rail debate. But some people that I speak to in Yorkshire, they go, Yorkshire's more than the cities. It's more than Sheffield and Leeds and even York and places like that. A lot of it is rural or semi-rural or town-based communities. And I think sometimes quite a lot of people feel like they're not spoken about and the debate is all about what are we doing for Leeds? What are we doing for Manchester? What are we doing for Newcastle when it when it comes to the north? What sort of oh, things? Look, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I lived in Yorkshire for three happy years. Um, and, therefore, and I spend a lot of time in Yorkshire because I'm so enjoyed um, living in Leeds that I um, every time I get the opportunity to come to Yorkshire, I do. And I think that's amongst the reasons we've done quite a lot of stuff with the Yorkshire Post um, this year. I mean, we did. We were up for Batley. Um, I think we we're calling for the North um, York's Police and Crime Commissioner to go. We did a mm -hmm. visit to Sheffield um, to the Steelworks. The Bradford visit. I think James was going to come on at one stage, but couldn't. And we're in Easington um, just a few weeks ago. But before that, Caitlin, and this goes to your point, 
um, I think it was three years ago, or maybe even four, I can't quite remember, I did the Yorkshire Post Fastest 50 um, Awards. Um, and that was at, that is exactly what you're talking about, because that was the 50 um, fastest growing businesses across Yorkshire. And they were across mm-hmm. the whole of Yorkshire. Um, and there was a real Yorkshire spirit, sort of can-do spirit to it. So um, I don't think of Yorkshire as sort of just the, the cities or the urban spaces. I see it as the cities, the towns, the villages, but also um, the mindset, um, because those fast, I was very struck when I did the awards for the fastest 50, as just how diverse and different all the businesses were and the different parts of Yorkshire that they came from, um, which I think gives you a sense of the energy and drive. I think, you know, the most important thing for Yorkshire would be um, a plan for Yorkshire that brought together the infrastructure, the businesses, the resources, the decision making um, to actually empower um, Yorkshire to, you know, take much more control of its own um, decisions and its own future and destiny. And that, that fastest 50 businesses was a real example. If you give people in Yorkshire the chance um, to, to go far, they certainly will go far. Mm-hmm. And uh, something else that's been um, promised and people have been waiting for for a long time sort of talks to all of these points is obviously the levelling up white paper. A few weeks ago, we expected it to possibly be the big news of this week. However, we have been uh, somewhat taken over by events and it was announced some time ago that um, the white paper will be delayed into the new year. There's lots of toing and froing. There's lots of predictions about what might come. What would you like to see in that? And if you were writing a levelling up uh, white paper, what sort of things would uh, would Labour be putting in there? Well, I would like to see um, a white paper that sets out clearly and in concrete terms um, what levelling up means for Yorkshire and what is actually going to change. I don't think that um, building a few buildings, changing a few roads, important though they are, is anything like enough. Um, in order to um, level up or deal with regional inequalities. I I think we need a a strategy for Yorkshire. Um, I think that the government made a huge mistake in getting rid of the industrial strategy. I don't see how you can actually take these big decisions if you haven't got a strategic plan that you're operating to. Um, And so, you know, this again goes to the difference between myself and Boris Johnson. He makes a promise of levelling up. There's still no white paper, no detail, um, no concrete proposals. Um, I'm serious about what a plan would actually look like in relation to Yorkshire. And I have to say, look, the, the election was 2019. We're about to go into 2022. Um, and um, we still haven't even got a white paper on what levelling up is. We've only got two years of this government left. Um, and we haven't got past the white paper stage because it keeps being put off. And I'm afraid that my conclusion is that levelling up was yet another slogan um, of the Prime Minister, but when you look behind the slogan, there's nothing there. And it's not just the white paper, Caitlin. Remember, the Prime Minister did a speech on levelling up in the summer, and everybody uh, was very interested to see what the detail was, look past the speech, and guess what? There's nothing there. And I think, you know, this is um, another way in which the Prime Minister is betraying people in Yorkshire because very many people want change. They, in good faith, trusted the Prime Minister and um, here he is, you know, over-promising and, and under-delivering or not delivering at all yet again. And there's only so much of this people are going to stomach, I think. I think, looking back, you're talking about, you know, good faith. We've had two years since the election. It has been two years of very, very um, 
disordered and somewhat chaotic news as a result of the pandemic. You became party leader um, more than 18 months ago now, but you've never really been a party leader not in the middle of a crisis. And I mean that in a national crisis way through through the pandemic. How How do you feel about this job and sort of how do you see yourself as a leader if there is ever a point when we're not in this crisis it must be quite a difficult way to frame yourself well two bits the answer to that first it's been hugely frustrating um when i became party leader i knew that my first task had to be to persuade people who are no longer voting labor to vote labor again and the only way to do that is to be with people in the communities where they live um, and therefore, it's been hugely frustrating that um, it's been much more difficult for me to get to places like Yorkshire than I would have liked. And I hope that that changes. And over the summer, we were able to um, do much more by way of um, you know, actually being um, across the country and in Yorkshire. So it's been hugely, hugely frustrating because it's been dominant. And most people have been concerned about, am I going to get the virus um, am I going to lose my job or is a family member going to get the virus and lose their job? Um, but the other bit of it is uh, that the uh, pandemic has actually brought out the best of us. I think that in my lifetime, I've not seen people looking after each other, communities coming together, making sure that um, each other are all right, whether that's support on food, medicine, um, businesses, um, etc. We need to harness that spirit of community. The one, the, the thing that Thatcher said we didn't have. Um, we need to harness that um, and um, build on that going into the future. And, and the ambition has to be to build a better Britain coming out of the pandemic, because the pandemic has exposed a lot of the um, uh, flaws and fractures. Um, in our economy um, and in our communities, and we've got the now we've now got the chance to build a better Britain coming out of it. So, frustration is the first emotion. Um, um, ambition to change and build a better Britain is the second emotion, and that's um, very much what I think the future needs to um, be, and what the arguments going into the next election need to be. I will be back at the start of next year with some new episodes, new guests and new interviews. And hopefully we might have a little bit less to say about COVID. But until then, have a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year.